Uh, we're in the center of Coyoacan at the market, gonna eat some delicious tostadas here. Uh, this place is uh, it's really funny. They started with one little stand in the corner, now they're taking up almost the whole market. <laughs> but it's delicious. They've got all sorts of crazy. So you can see the mounds in the distance oh, wow, of tostadas. Yeah. yeah, right. They have all sorts of drinks here. They got any like alfalfa, uh, guanabana, guayaba. Yeah. I don't know which one you want to. Um, pitaya? I got the pitaya? The... No. No, pitaya? Alfalfa, wow. Alfalfa is like green deliciousness. Wow. I'm gonna do uh, mame. So, what is this place in terms of like Mexico City? Like, where? Like... Oh, um, si, great cola. What do you want to drink? Um, try. Guayabana? I would have guayabana for four. Guayaba or Guanabana? Uh, Guayabana. Guanabana, sí. okay. Empezamos con dos de champiñón. Y ahorita, ahorita pedimos más. Um, yeah, so we're in, we're in the southern, uh, one of the southern delegations of Mexico City. Okay, cool. Um, this is where our office is and where I live. It's like, yeah. um, like famous for Frida Kahlo, coffee shops. It's yeah. like a more chiller area of Mexico City. Yeah, it's really leafy and beautiful, isn't it? And so, um, how long have you been, like, because where are you from originally? I was born in Mexico, grew up in the States. Okay, cool. And now live in here again. All right, cool. And, like, and after you, um, like, what did you study at uni? Civil engineering. Mm -hmm. Civil engineering. Mm. But now I consider myself more of a social hydrologist. Okay. Social hydrologist. That's a good way of looking at it. So, did you come straight back to Mexico after university or? After finishing my master's, okay. I, uh, came, I couldn't find a job. I was like, fuck it. I mean, I didn't try really hard. I wanted to go to Mexico. Yeah. Um, went with the idea of backpacking the mountains and beaches of uh, and jungles of Mexico and showed up in Mexico City because I had my family from here and right. just crashed with my aunt's couch and started volunteering with environmental organizations. And since I studied rainwater harvesting, uh -huh. I started putting up rainwater harvesting systems at these environmental NGOs and, and um, I was like, wow, there's a great opportunity. This city is dying of thirst, then it floods like crazy every year. So, found some cool business partners and um, yeah, 10 years later, we're, we're up to nine and a half years now. And, um, we're up to 10,000 systems. 10,000 rainwater systems, oh. all in Mexico City or? Mostly, 90% um, or 95%. We work with the various uh, indigenous communities okay. like Daramaras in the northern, um, the uh, Huicholes in um, Central Western, the, mm -hmm. they religiously or spiritually peyote, uh, mm -hmm. various Oaxacan communities. 
Wow. And so, because wasn't Mexico City like Venice once upon a time? Was it? My understanding was it was like kind of built on water. Mexico City was five lakes that very crazy ecosystem because there are five enclosed lakes. So there's no water exits. So there were lakes that during the rainy season it formed one giant lake, mm -hmm. and during the dry season they shrink down to five lakes. So we're going to pop up all these islands and everything. So what? Um, wow. What? Because it's what? Is it right that it's a space inside of a... space and yeah, it's, uh, it's like the top of a volcano or something, or is that not true? No, it's just a giant um, natural basin. Yeah, wow. And uh, yeah, so the Aztecs, it was crazy because some of these lakes were saltwater lakes, uh -huh. and some were freshwater lakes. So you form all this like crazy ecosystem when it'd be mixed in the rainy season. Wow. Um, and. But yeah, there, when the Spaniards showed up to the Aztec capital of um, Tenochtitlan, um, they found a city that was bigger than any European city with two million people. They had with 100,000 boats. They had 100,000 boats that would wow. transport uh, all the agricultures from Xochimilco, the southern region. They would, make, they would actually build agricultural islands, um, perfectly designed. Like the digital, the, they would long about half acre, half hectare plots with uh, trees on the eastern and western side, and so you get full north south ex uh, sun exposure. So just like total genius. Wow. Um, and so the um, yeah, it's quite a like quite an important city for water historically. Then I guess isn't it? Yeah. So it's funny because I mean, in some ways, the Aztecs were able to uh, live in peace with the water. The yeah. Spaniards showed up and they they, they were like, these floods. We have to drain the lake, so they started cutting. Like, a hitch out of the valley in the northern ends and they sort of drained it uh, they didn't fully drain it until the um, until Porfirio Diaz the last the French emperor that, that before the revolution was here he uh, he tried to uh, to modernize Mexico City and he, and he drained it completely with a with a giant uh, drainage uh, uh, tube, and then uh, he was bringing water from the southern region. So, but yeah, it's been a so. And then there's been always conflict since then. It's just the population has grown so much that the water infrastructure is not kept up, and so there's millions of people without access to water. Wow. And. Um, like so this because it, it's an amazing climate here like it feels like it's always kind of same temperature and same climate all year round right is that it must have just, it feels like it's this amazing little oasis in the mountains within Mexico is that yeah it's um, amazing I, I tell everyone that when I travel in the state I'm like it's incredible I, I just put solar panels in my house I put four 320 watts solar, solar panels and that's all I need because I have no 
air conditioning, no heating. Yeah. Because yeah. when it's cold, I shut my window. When it's hot, I open the window. Yeah. That's all I need. Yeah. Which is crazy. Wow. So, like, such a fortunate climate of place and got destroyed by colonialism. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Damn. The classic. It's a classic story. And so, so yeah, so what have you been doing to solve this? Because, hey, just, like, quite, quite, um... Uh, current news, but my understanding was that, like, in four days' time or something, they're going to ch- shut the water off for four days in three mm-hmm. parts of Mexico City. What's happening there? Next Thursday morning, so uh, on the 31st of October through November 4th. Dust Master you're listening to Fight with the Future. They're doing maintenance on, uh, so 70% of our water comes from our aquifers. Uh-huh. Uh, we're pumping so much water out that um, you can fill up two, uh, two and a half, uh, hundred thousand people stadiums. Okay. Poolside, like if you make a giant Olympic stadium and fill up with water, yep. we're pumping that amount of water, two or three to 2.5 uh, times of those per day. Um, so much water is being pulled out that the sinks, the city's actually sinking. Uh, it's sunk over 10 meters in the, in the last 60 years. Whoa. It's sinking about a meter each 10 years, so like 10 centimeters a year, um, which causing all these water pipes that are breaking and uh, uh, leakages. And we actually, the other 30% of our water comes from over 200 kilometers away, so four states away. Um, we're bringing pumping water from you guys in Australia do the same thing. I know Cali is doing that like crazy. Yeah, we, most Australian cities are like probably five hours away or something like that. And so, uh, once the water gets here, that's 40% of the water gets lost in leaks. Really? So, yeah. Um, so, so, basically, like, the current water infrastructure is completely nonsensical. <laughs> yeah, the more you study it, the more you like dive into it, it's just like, completely insane. Oh, unsust- totally unsustainable. And so you're, yeah, so how how does your, it's a non-for-profit you've got, right? What's it called? <laughs> it's a social enterprise. So okay, okay. It's an, we have an NGO and a business side. Uh-huh. Uh, to, we, on the social side, we, we try to help I mean, the whole project, we try to help people who have a lack of access to water, so water scarcity issues, uh, to install, by installing... Power (laughs) out. Cool. Yeah, so, once in a while electrical cuts go on. And it's back on. (laughs) So, we look for funds to subsidize the cost for families have uh, access to rainwater harvesting, a sustainable solution uh, such as rainwater harvesting so they have water six months out of the year uh, uh-huh. falling from the sky filling up their tanks uh, without any cost so uh, <clears throat> and the reason we, I call it a social enterprise because right now for example and I don't like call, calling for not, not for profit because 
we're looking for profits in order to grow. Yeah. Uh, right now we're we've grown to a business that has over uh, 50 employees. Uh, we're trying to grow du du double that next year. Uh, we've installed 10. We're we're installing about 20 systems per day. Basically, we can our capacity is about 5,000 a year. Wow. Next year we've got a proposal with the new uh, Mexico City. Uh, elected mayor that goes in the office December first, who has a doctorate in mechanical engineering and has done postdoc work on on heat efficient wood stoves like in Berkeley. She's like completely out of this world. <laughs> I know she's incredible, but there's a huge opportunity. We we put up a, a proposal with her for 100,000 systems um, and 500 schools in the in her six year term, and next year we're going to start with 10,000. So we've been 10 years put up 10,000, and one year we're gonna put up that amount. Wow. If all goes well. Working with the government's all very volatile, and uh -huh. you never know what the, what the fuck's gonna happen. I can imagine. Yeah, you you must deal with quite a lot of red tape here. Is that like, like how do you, it's not that easy to get things to happen here, is it? Or well, do you find that easy to get things to happen? There's a lot of money. Like, the government has a ton, a ton of money. Mexico has a very large economy. It's the second largest economy in Latin America, in Brazil. Um, and it's, um, I mean, it's not considered an undeveloped country in many uh, books. Uh, it is in some and some not. But, uh, but it's the financial capital of all Latin America. Yep. Uh, really, the cultural capital of any Spanish-speaking country, but it's not Barcelona, it's not uh, <coughs> Bogota, it's not, not Chile, Mexico City has the most amount of museums and culture. So it's really, uh, there's a lot of money, and it's, the, it's not that the, the government doesn't want to provide it, it's just, it's just a chaotic, it's uh -huh. very chaotic. I mean, you saw what, uh, I mean, you guys had this, Australia, the, two, the 2006 drought, uh, uh, 2096-2006 droughts and you guys had one of the best uh, case studies of, of uh, or Sydney of not never augmenting uh, consumption ever again and, have, and you guys have done it which is amazing you have actually decreased consumption of, while your GDP is growing and population growing water has decreased in consumption is that right? Sydney um, I don't know that's okay so sorry. <laughs> So what GDP went up while well, consumption went down, basically? Con water consumption. Yeah. So yeah. Um, e even like including agriculture and everything. Well, I know of Sydney, so I'm not sure how much agriculture is uh -huh. considered there. Exactly. So, yeah. um, but yeah, but interesting. so. And do you know what they? They started uh, different they initiatives, rainwater harvesting, grey water. They finance different projects to save water and and, uh, and have have metering, water metering is a big a big. Uh, it's in the developing world, it's like making sure you're metering right. <laughs> like we're far away from that, <laughs> but in the developing world, it's just like being the most efficient as possible. Yeah, yeah. By being most efficient as possible, you're actually able to reduce uh, your consumption by a lot. It's good to <clears throat> come halfway around the world and. <laughs> learn about your own home. <laughs> so, 
so like how, how does it exactly work like these are like what small systems you're doing huge systems uh, how, you, household are you long time by the way yeah yeah we're good yeah um they're household systems so um um each family harvests their um rain from the rooftop and they store it in a tank in Mexico and a lot of developing countries there's a huge cistern market basically because the water infrastructure didn't keep up with the population boom the yeah. population growth there's water shortages anywhere you look at Panama City you go to uh, Peru parts of um, all over India all over Asia uh, China people are buying all these tanks because you don't have access you have intermittent access to water so, yeah. so the government gives you water a few hours a day or once a week or you don't have access you have to have water storage so when a, a low-income family builds a home the first thing they do is they build a cistern underneath their home which is expensive but yeah. is a necessity and um, and when you go on a rooftop here in Mexico City you see all these black tanks all over the place all those are header tanks they're storage tanks above the uh, building to by gravity you feed the, um, the house uh, there's no yeah you do notice there's no there's you, you notice that all over the skyline in Mexico City yeah. there's no uh, water towers in the states you like go into a town or part of part of parts of a city you see water towers here's there's no water pressure my neighbors have tanks above ground tanks and the water doesn't get to them yeah right <laughs> you have to get like underneath the ground to like water to get to the tank and so that's a huge opportunity for us who are, are the rainwater harvesting market because the family already has a roof already has a tank already has a pump pumping up water to our tank above the roof. Yeah. we're just connecting uh the roof to the tank putting filters that's it we're, right. we're a, a team of three plumbers yeah like, um, and new, basically newly trained, can install two a day. So right, and and so as opposed to in a more developed country where they don't have all that storage because they've got water pressure, you've kind of got a, a bigger opportunity here. To mess with that, the because you can bring down the cost. Yeah, yeah. The the most expensive component of a rainwater harvesting system is a storage tank. Yeah, and probably the like articulation as well. Right? So, but you got everything there. That's great. Cool. So, what, how did you come up with this idea? Because because you're working with the NGOs, just so the. I wrote my thesis on now. Um, more on now. In Pennsylvania, we're we're. I might get another um, passado. Actually, you do you, it. Are you, you good? Or I'm good for now. Yeah. Oh yeah, so you did your thesis on what? You did your thesis on it? Yeah, in Pennsylvania there's a lot of stormwater issues. So the more you capture and reuse, the less problems of stormwater peak volumes. Wow. Stormwater issues, you're not only solving um, water scarcity issues, but you're also solving the sustainable solutions of stormwater management. And I wrote my thesis more in a case study in that area of the state where there's a lot of water, rain never stops raining. Uh -huh. So, um, on a different kind of problem solving, but I got to show up to Mexico and had a bunch of research already done and, and started starting and started going. Cool. Gracias. Thank you.
Um, so, how far could you push it with rainwater? Do you think? Like, is it is it possible for Mexico City to meet all of its demands on rainwater? No, but reducing consumption and well, it's like a a third leg to your stool. Like right now, there's two legs. There's you have you're bringing up water from the groundwater, you're bringing water from far away. Yeah, and it's very unstable and it doesn't. It's not working. Uh-huh. So if you're able to harvest rainwater um, during the rainy season and start introducing infiltration wells during um, water infiltration projects, um, other sustainable uses of water, uh, water saving devices, mm. gray water, recycling. What is a water infiltration well? So there's water infiltration or water absorption. Basically, you're just injecting the water from that falls um, so the city, the, the reason we have so many stormwater issues is that uh, we live in a concrete jungle. The city keeps growing and we keep chopping down trees and going into uh, uh, ecological parks <laughs> illegally and building a house, building more roads and just building a continuous growth of concrete. That causes water that used to infiltrate naturally into the aquifers to now just runs off the concrete, goes into drainage pipes, and gets actually pumped out of the city, which is crazy. The city has sunk so much that the water infrastructure that we that we have been working on for the past like 20 years is actually um, below. You have to get it, pump it out of the valley. Wow. Um, but so yeah, that's uh, that's it. Just makes so much sense. So you, we're not able, we're not going to be able to only live on rainwater because it only rains half the year and it's tropical rainfalls. But you'll be able to have a, resi- a resilient solution to uh, to to water crisis. So really, what you see, like all the experts who are talking and, and lived the day zero uh, Cape Town, uh, which I, I don't know if you, how much you read about that, but Cape Town in like April of 2018 of this year was said to be, the mayor of Cape Town came out and said, if we do not reduce our consumption and start doing and really to 50 liters per person per day, uh, we will run out of water in three months. Like our aquifers are, are dry, hasn't rained for a two-year drought. Uh, we we didn't plan ahead, uh, so all these problems and um, and the uh, South Africans are they're they're very cocky about it. They're like, yeah, we we solved this. We we we. <laughs> I mean, their attitude's always like, we can win. You know, like <laughs> they're like very competitive. <laughs> on this. So, but they did. They really uh, brought down their consumption and. Uh, it started, started raining as well, so like, what a miracle of the rain, and, and they also uh, stepped up to the plate and, and were able to lower consumption. But 
what people and experts were all talking about is that you need to have resilient solutions. So you need to have cities that aren't so dependent on um, on a system that can fail. So if a drought comes or um, or a hurricane or <laughs> you know some kind of crisis comes through a city and and, and damages these these. Uh, the water infrastructure or energy. I mean, you just need to have a real resilience uh, option, and that's what Wayland Harvesting is. It's yeah. like, it's like you could be put up your own flag, and if you have your solar panels, and <laughs> the country go to the sh- go to the sheds, and you'll be like, okay, you have water. Yeah, right. Because so, like in in Melbourne, in Australia, for example, it's the water demand of the city is equal to the rainwater fall on an annual basis. But um, it's all the most of the water that not not that but mo- most of the water that hits the city. Uh, most of the water that hits the city becomes stormwater, goes into the port, takes all the chemicals with it. No one can swim in the port because it's so filthy. And then we suck water from a dam that's five hours away through pipework. And then all of that goes to sewer in the end anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, so in theory, if you had enough collection area in <coughs> Melbourne, you could actually um, survive off rainwater. Obviously, and, you know, I guess part of the part of the game is reducing demand as well as, like, picking up supply. But it's interesting here. So in, even here... No, here, if you were to capture from the entire valley, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but you have to consider uh, re- what's reasonable, what's... what's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's not uh, realistic. Like, what's realistic. Like, yeah. there's, there's but, but groups maybe, like, that with, aren't... With groundwater and rain, rainwater, you could probably... Exactly. Make, yeah, yeah. Whereas right now, where's it coming from? Like, where does water in Mexico City come from? 70% from the groundwater and yeah. 30% from aquifers and... Uh, rivers outside of the valley. Okay, and they pumped the, up uh, a kilometer up. Okay, and the groundwater—that's that is reducing each year, is it? Or it's okay? Yeah, it's a, they really don't. It's such a complicated uh, valley that the best hydrologists and the best geologists don't really know what right. what life we have. Uh, but <clears throat> but we know that we're extracting twice as much as we're um, infiltrating. So we know we're depleting it right. very quickly. It's so, so twice as much has been consumed as goes in there. Wow. Right. And that's probably hugely to do with the inefficiency of getting it out. Is yeah. Right? Yeah, so we need to keep fixing pipes. Yeah. Like 40% leakage is just insane. Yeah. <laughs> so we, uh, education, we have, an, we have a rain school program where we're trying to we're putting up in all the rainwater harvesting season we put up at schools we uh, focus on the kids and make sure they know what the sustainable use of water how to conserve water how to harvest water so education is really the future yeah. um, and then different eco technologies such as rainwater harvesting water infiltration uh, uh, water saving prices those are like the three real uh, most popular uh, the three I, we, I think are, are the most important to uh, financially incentivize and it's interesting because the government has a giant budget for water, a giant, giant budget 
And right now, they're most or 90% of our work is contracted work into our business to install rainwater harvesting systems in these um, low-income uh, water scarcity communities. Okay, so uh, it's not so much. That's why I don't like to say I'm a nonprofit. Or it's uh, we're really like providing uh, water infrastructure service. So basically, the government could invest in in the the engineering of the of the 20th century solutions of bringing water in giant pipes and, and super engineering and using a lot of energy uh, type solutions, or they can uh, focus on source control decentralized solutions such as rainwater harvesting. Yeah. So really we're, uh, <clears throat> we're an infrastructure. You're listening to Fuck With The Future. And, and like efficiency, uh, like what, how far do you think you can push that on a city scale? Right now our goal is to well, Ahorita estamos en una entrevista, gracias. Um, we, just, we just put in a, a 100,000 system proposal for the, in the next um, six years. And their response was like, we want 30 next year. And we're like, whoa, like, um, just let's try it out with 10,000 first. <laughs> and so we're like, we sort of like, Negotiated, we'll do 10,000 this year and 30,000 next year. So that's already 40,000. <laughs> so who knows where it'll go from there? I mean, we, we proposed 100, but if we're already four, uh, 40% into it in year two, I'm not sure what what that number will go. It depends. I mean, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be interesting. And what's the story with the quality of water? Like, um, I mean, because there's a lot of air pollution here, right? Yeah, so. Like for example, in Australia, they don't let you drink. They quite often will not let you drink rainwater because of the air pollution in cities. Whereas outside of cities, it's fine. Same is thing. It, we, same put, we put we put up domestic use system. So okay. uh, it's not just the tourists that don't drink the tap water. Nobody drinks the tap water. Yeah. Mexico is the number one consumption of bottled water in the world. Yeah. Right. And uh, so basically, we we. Uh, we filter our rainwater to be uh, for uh, for swimming or bathing in. So you yeah, can yeah, yeah. Uh, you can like you have no problems bathing or doing any of your uh, household needs uh, besides that 10%, which is for drinking and and, uh, and cooking. Yeah. So uh, basically, it's really simple to filter to that uh, level, and then you don't have to have. Uh, ozone or, or UV or um, reverse osmosis, like all these technologies to potabilize water. Yeah. Um, there's some that are very inexpensive, like, like uh, ceramic filters with silver ions. There's, there's very uh, uh, cheap options, but uh, you have to change the filters and there's still a cost for a low-income family. Yeah. And a low-income family here is making four or five thousand pesos a month. I just read that uh, under five percent of the population in Mexico City makes makes more than thirteen thousand pesos. So, uh, 
you know, it's like the poverty is insane. Like so three, like, what's that? Three thousand a year. Three thousand. <laughs> and the trombone starts. <laughs> um, well, that's probably a good time to wrap it up there, man. But, like, what a good outro that is. But, uh, I kind of, I quite the word. I kind of wanted to talk to you about Blackwater treatment and uh, um, what's possible, but I think the tr- trombone outro was a good time to end it. Thanks so much. Ciao.